Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L I V by Advantia. Hello again, everybody. Before we get started with the show, we're having a Bulls Podcaster Palooza event at the Windy City Bulls game at Now Arena in Hoffman Estates on December 11th at 7 p.m. during halftime of the Windy City Bulls game. I hope you can make it. We have the following commitments for this great event. The Lockdown Bulls Pod, Matt Peck and Big Dave will be there. Uh, Salim from Bulls Gold will be there. Matt Gentile from Reboldable Podcast. C-Dub from Ball. Obviously, Big Dave will also be there. Bulls on Tap, Buzz and Goose are going to be there, a.k.a. Bull Scripted. We all know Goose. And Bulls 101 Laro will be there. I'm moderating the discussion. It should be a great time. You can ask questions to one of the greatest collective gatherings of Bulls minds in history. I hope you can make it. 20 bucks only. That includes a Bull Scarf the Windy City Bulls game, and this event at halftime, please use the link that I have tweeted out to sit with us in our section. You can also uh, use the link that any one of those pods have sent out. Um, If you don't have it, just email me at credfred at gmail.com. That's credfred at gmail.com, and I'll send you that link. And then also, the Taj Gibson giveaway, the Dunk on Wade picture, if you're interested in getting into that, a raffle, which will be on Thanksgiving. Please email me at credfred at gmail.com, credfred at gmail.com. Special thank you to Yaya's Cafe in Hinsdale, voted best breakfast in Hinsdale. Doug and I are thinking of doing a special podcast, live podcast at that location sometime either in December or January. If you're at all interested in attending, we kind of want to get an idea if you would like to join us there, maybe on a Saturday or Sunday morning or afternoon. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on that if you'd be able to attend that at Yaya. So give us a heads up. Again, it's Yaya Cafe in Hinsdale. Great group of people, especially the owner. Demetrios is our guy. So please uh, let us know if there's an interest by emailing me at credfred at gmail.com. Now, on to the big red bus. <laughs> again everybody welcome to another exciting edition of the big red bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out during a beautiful afternoon for once after another bulls victory and as i look out and see the beloved standing atop the eastern conference it could not be a more beautiful day and let's welcome in my co-pilot the podfather the great one doug tonus how you doing brother uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Bulls atop the standings. And it's funny how you think about where you thought this team would go at the beginning of the year and how your confidence in them has just grown and grown and grown as more games have been played. I remember being super excited when they were at the top of the standings at like 4-0 and thinking like, yeah, there's no way I'd have predicted they'd be at the top of the standings after four games. And then I think there was another time they're at the top after six or seven games. Here we are, 17 games in. This is no longer this is no longer a fluke. This is not a drill, people. The Bulls are good. <laughs> the Bulls are a contender. 
That's what I would argue. They are a legit NBA contender. Uh, I don't know if everyone yet believes that, but I do. I think you do to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. Are you there yet? I mean, I, I believe in it. I, I don't feel like the, I'm in... the delta between us and everyone else in the East is that far. Well, I don't know that we are a favorite, but certainly we're a contender. I mean, like, I don't know how you could argue any any other way. You know, we, we've beaten the Nets. We've beaten the Jazz. We've beaten the Clippers. We've beaten the Mavericks. You know, we lost the Warriors. We've not played the Suns. Uh, we've not played the Wizards. We've not played the Heat. But, like, every other team I named, those are, like, the top teams in the East and the West. Yep. You know, what's, you know like, so what's so great. Ex- what's so exciting to me, Doug, is this team can win in s- such a variety of different ways. You know, you look at the game last night against the Knicks. I thought that for the first three quarters that was Zach Levine's worst game of the year, possibly for the last few years. I thought he was just terrible. 5-18 at one point in that game, 0-5 from three, constantly complaining about the, the calls. Yet the Bulls are still in the game. They're still winning because you have guys, well, obviously you have DeMar DeRozan, which puts up a 31-6-5 is going to help uh, carry some of the load, right? But you, you didn't see guys, the team just didn't have any other options in the past three years. Whereas basically if, if Zach's off, we, our chances of winning are pretty much nil. Uh, maybe if Kobe has a good game, we could we could come through. Now you have so many, you know, other offensive options in DeRozan, uh, Ball. You have guys like Derek, jo- Derek Jones Jr. stepping it up consistently, and now Kobe White. It's pretty thrilling and exciting to actually see a team with uh, multiple offensive options. Dare I say, more than most teams in this league. Yeah, I mean they they can do a lot of different things. Demar Derozan has been pretty consistently fantastic. And I think what's nice is even though he's this mid-range shooter, and I mean his actual true shooting percentage has been great, but even a lot of the complaints people have around guys who build off the mid-range, like they're consistent, but they're not necessarily as efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bulls kind of needed that consistency, you know, mixed in with their mix. Like Zach is is very efficient, but the inconsistency means like game to game, he's going to have these games where he just destroys the other team, and other games where you know, like against the Knicks, 0 for five from three, and all of a sudden. You know, he's got 21 points and 20 shots, which isn't the worst thing. But, like, as you saw, like, he wasn't able to, to keep it going the whole game. Having someone who can just consistently put in volume and, and create shots on his own and draw fouls, uh, really everything you thought DeMar might be able to do in the best-case scenario has actually been less than what he's doing in the actual scenario. We are above <laughs> best-case. We have outpredicted the best-case scenario. We, we Even you... The, the <laughs> most optimistic person I know, mm-hmm. like underpredicted what this team could do. I mean, like, what, what do you think their ceiling wins total is now? 50. Like, I think we, it's, we, is it possible it could be 60? I think their ceiling wins total could be 60. No, it's probably, I think I mean, they're going to finish with 55. I, I, I said 47. I think no, but, on, but what you think they're going to do is 55. You think they're going to do 55. Yeah. But it's not crazy to say the ceiling is 60 anymore, right? That's right. Like, it's That's a right. ceiling. It's no longer crazy to say that this team could win 60 games. Like, I don't think they're going to. But it's not crazy to say, like, yeah, that could happen. Like, I mean, that's where we're at. We're at a team that it's like, like the upside now has to like reasonably be viewed as something like that, you yeah. know? And, and that's, that's just, that's just crazy to think like that this, that is possible. Like I, I, I would have never thought, like I thought 50 would have been a ceiling prior to this going in. Like there's like no way they're going to do that. Their pace right now, Fred, I just did the math real quick. That's why I was rambling for a while so I could like put throw it in my calculator. Their pace is 58 wins. 
Unbelievable. That's their pace right now today. And they played a harder than the average schedule. They've already played a tough schedule. So the schedule is easier. It's like it's not insane to say 60 is on the table. Like mathematically, it's not insane to say that. So that's just tremendous. Yeah, when you look at the Knicks, you know, they're 9 and 8, 17 wins, but they've had three games against the Magic and one against Houston, you know, split those two and two. It's like the Bulls have had I can't really think other than the first week of the season. You know, the last 12 games has been just nothing but contenders. You know, winning good teams night after night. And, and to be fair, you know, we got Denver without Jokic. Right. So that, that game yeah, is kind of like a bottom feeder game, <laughs> as it turns out. But still, like, they you got know, us got without, Lakers without LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. They got, and, and Lakers out of LeBron, and Lakers are still, you know, whatever. But but still, like, you know, you, you beat a legit Clippers team. You beat a, a legit Mavericks team. You beat a legit Nets. Brooklyn team. Yep. Uh, and, and we've been missing guys, you know, we're missing Pat Williams probably for the year. So we're not going to get him back, but you know, we're missing Vucevic. And even though he didn't play well, and even though, you know, I've said, I'm not a, a huge fan, I don't do this trade, whatever, whatever caveats you want to throw against that. He's still clearly like a gazillion times better than Tony Bradley. Right. Like, I mean, he's still, even in his lessened poor play this year was helping the team out quite a bit relative to, to who's in there now. So, and if he actually just gets back, even to the player who is, in my opinion, a little bit inefficient, maybe not like the greatest. But even if he gets back to that like near All Star level, it's an amazing boost. Like the team can be much better than it is right now. We just got Kobe White back, and you know he struggled for the first three games, and he just had a big, big game and and helped us secure this win against the Knicks in the second half. So if he's able to come out and, and provide that just bench score role and give us another option there, like oh my god, like we've not even seen this team at what its best is. Right. No, agreed. And that's one thing I've noticed this entire season is like every night when I'm talking to my father about, you know, how about Levine? It's usually always, how about Levine DeRozan last night? And what about this guy? You know, like uh, Lonzo Ball or what about Green or what about uh, Io or Derek Jones Jr.? It's just like a different guy every night really steps up with an incredible performance. And when you just look at it, the delta between Lonzo Ball and and Sato is is massive. It's just so massive, and even Io and Ryan A, who's not even in the league anymore, it's it's just massive. So, you know, incredible job of turning over a roster. This, you know, we traded a ton of assets to do it, but it was all worth it because he made the right decisions and created a contender in a very short period of time. So beyond, I'm beyond excited about where this team is going, and I think uh, you know all Bulls fans should be too. You know, even though I still feel that we, we, we're not getting the respect nationally. I listened to Zach uh, Lowe's uh, Low Post, a guy I really respect, and he asked the question to uh, Beck, Howard Beck, I believe, on his last show last week, who are the real contenders in the league to win a title? Who are they? And he named, I think, three teams in the East. I think he said Miami, the Nets, and the Bucks. And then in the West, he had – was a, a little bit more difficult. I can't recall. I know it was like – the Suns, um, who else did he say? The Jazz, and there was one more team. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe the Golden State Warriors. Oh, Warriors. Sure. That's that's what it was. My bad. Yeah, so it was the Warriors. So those six teams. And I just, I'm just constantly kind of bewildered at why people don't feel like the Bulls have earned their right to step well, into it's, that it's, group. It's anchoring. It's anchoring, right? Like yeah. it's hard to you, – you went into the season thinking that the, the Bulls – I mean a lot of people, we, we were more high on them than that, and you were more high on them than I was. Uh, you know, to, to give you the full shot out there, you've been you've been leading the bus in terms of positivity. But 
you know, it's, it's anchoring. If you came into the season thinking that they were going to compete for the play-in tournament, which a lot of national media people did, thought this was going to be a disaster, and now you see them playing much better. So you're like, all right, yeah, they're definitely better than I thought. You know, that people are jumping on that bad wagon, right? We're seeing a lot of people say that. But it's hard to go from thinking they're a 9-10 seed to they're a legit contender for the title, right? Like you still kind of feel in your head like this is probably going to fall apart because I couldn't have been wrong by that much. And so people are, are slow to move on that. And maybe that will turn out to be true. I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, but I, I think the upside of this team is absolutely a team that could legitimately win the title. And, you know, at this point now, I expect them to be a top four seed and a second round playoff team. You know, like I, I think I, that that's now my expectation. That was not my expectation to start the year. I thought they would be a first round loser team. And I've now upgraded my expectation to second round team. It's probably going to take a little bit for me to get on board for as an Eastern Conference final team, but I absolutely think it's within what they could do. I mean, I think once you get to the second round, you know, I, I think it's so even any of those teams can move move ahead. Like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a huge difference between those teams in the East. Let's talk a little bit about the last two games. The Denver game, we were together for the epic night with, uh, you know, some of the the biggest minds in Bulls, in Bulls. Uh, what am I trying to say? Bulls podcasting history. Uh, we had the ball guys. We had Salim from Bulls Gold, Matt Peck, you and I, uh, Jack Silverstein. Oh, what a what an incredible evening that was last Friday night at Peace uh, Peace Restaurant over there on North Avenue. That, now you're just making everyone jealous. <laughs> well, to the show. Well, I just got to say, well, first of all, I got to say thank you again for picking up the tab, which is one of oh the most, god, why would you even say such a gen, one of the most gen, generous acts ever, uh, ever, uh, without a doubt. And uh, you fought all efforts to <laughs> compensate you for it. And uh, I guess my driving was, you know, I did drive and despite your critique. So at least I at least gave something back in that in that respect. But regardless, what a great, what a great uh, evening that was. So we didn't get really, I don't know, you know, it was kind of like I was getting a lot of Pippin debates with Jack. And, you know, so I didn't really get to watch the first three quarters as close as I would have liked. But that fourth quarter we all watched. And what Zach Levine did was amazing in that fourth quarter seven straight points, I think, in a 60-second span, and he was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, let's go over that game a little bit, your thoughts on that game, and then obviously last night against the Knicks in the, in the alley fight. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's two very different games, right? Like, um, And in some ways, every game is a little different from the Bulls. It, it was actually, I thought, a really impressive performance from the Denver Nuggets because they just would not go away. Yes. Like, they just, they just would not go away. And they just, towards the end of the, their overall three-point percentage, uh, on on the night was, uh, th- I think it was like thirty eight percent or so. I remember it being a, a shade under forty, but like it was just towards the end of that game, it was just like you're like aha dagger dagger dagger, and then every time we hit a dagger, they would come back and knock down a three, like in the fourth quarter. It was like it was just it was just nuts, and you know I think that's where you see the Bulls have problems sometimes, is their manic style of like rotating on defense. Uh, we see teams able to get good three point looks against us. If, if they're good passing teams and they can consistently move the ball around, uh, we see teams able to get three-point shots off against against the Bulls. And, you know, the Bulls also, the other thing that they'll do, I think, sometimes is because they they just reach a lot and they cause a lot of turnovers and they're playing very disruptively, you know, teams are going to get a lot of free throws against us. So, you know, that was also a theme for part of that Denver game. Is And, and we've seen this a lot. We've complained about the refs a lot in this game. Uh, this season, I should say. And I think a lot of that is because the Bulls are so aggressive defensively. You know, like we, we foul a lot too. So they're not all 
unfair complaints. Sometimes they happen uh, where the rest have been bad. But but we, we reach a lot and we grab a lot and we do a lot of physical things. And so we get away with a lot of them too. Uh, but then we complain about the ones we don't get away with. And sometimes those are unfair. So those are kind of the two takeaways I had you know, from that game that kind of allowed Denver to, to hang around in a game that I, I didn't think they were going to be able to hang around in, you know, especially with uh, the Joker out. You kind of thought you're going to be able to take this one. Derek Jones, I thought was was huge in that game. Uh, he had that huge dunk. And they asked him after the game, like, where does this rank? And he said, like, yeah, not in my top 10, which <laughs> I just thought was hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the next game, I think the, the big takeaway there was I, I thought they're going to win this game the whole game long, even though they're kind of like trailing at times. I thought, like, man, we're playing so terrible. We're playing so, so terrible, and we're still, like, like just, just in this game. I thought, like, yeah, we're, someone's going to catch fire, and we're going to beat this team because they, they aren't going to be able to stay with us as soon as we get our offense just out of our ass. And, you know, that kind of happened, and it was in the form of Kobe White. And my, my favorite thing about that was you heard the stories afterwards. There was a standing ovation for Kobe in the locker room, and they were pouring water on him uh, you know, on the on-court interview after the game. Uh, Zach, I think it was uh, Derek Jones Jr. And so, like everyone on this team, it just shows how together they are, and how much they care about each other, and love each other, and how much they respected Kobe, even though he was struggling. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I'm in this group of people who's like, dude, maybe this guy needs to spend some time in the G League in the first half when he looked terrible. And you know, not like as a just like get rid of him, but like he just played were, so poorly in the first three games. You were with Cowley. Maybe I should have made I mean, the song. Maybe I should have made the song by you, Doug. Hey, Doug. Maybe you should have. Maybe you should have. They're a lot like cow. <laughs> right. Me and Mark both. Yeah. But you know, it, and it wasn't like an assault. Like, oh man, I can't stand Kobe White. It was like legitimately, this guy's. We're in the fourth game, and he, he just doesn't look like he can get anything done. And he looks so off rhythm. And like his first shot, like was a brick that was like just awful. Right, it was like a mid-range jumper, and he was off like two feet to the left, and and on the back iron, like it was just 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 looked way off still. And I thought like he just, it's hard. I've had two injuries to my arm that impacted my shooting and it takes a long time to rebuild that, that arm strength and motor function. And I just thought like, he just may need more time. And, but he came back and had an amazing second half and really was the key to the bulls victory. It was great to see them celebrate him. It was great to see him just, just kind of pour it in and, and kind of make that comeback. So it was awesome. Awesome night for the Bulls. Of course, always good to beat the Knicks, but it was awesome in the way that we did it too. You know, I, I appreciate Kobe White having a nice night, nice half to really get the game for us, more so than if we had won by any other way, because that's big having him now back as a potential option totally. for future games too. Totally. I mean, what's our biggest fault? The ability to uh, three-point shot attempts. I think we were last in the league or near it, and they're bringing in a guy who's not afraid to fire those up and hit those sometimes at an incredible rate. It's just a huge advantage. It's a huge addition and, you know, it's not like something that was um, – I just think just having another guy to be able to do that and punish the doubles are going to happen on DeRozan and doubles are going to happen on Zach. And that's one thing that Kobe did very well, underrated last uh, last year, late in the year. I thought after you took him out of that role as the point guard, uh, you know, a role he just wasn't ready for or not – or maybe never will be. But, you know, they asked a lot out of him to start the last season. It didn't work out. And now he's more in a role that's more suited for him, and I think we're going to see him have great success. So just having a guy that can punish that that action is going to be huge, and I think this will help build his confidence. And the kid, he's a great kid. He's a hard worker. And, you know, I think that's reflected in the way the team reacted because if he was just some guy who wasn't putting it in 100%, there's no way the team would have reacted in that fashion. So it's awesome to see. I love Kobe White. 
Um, he's shown some incredible signs, eight three-pointers last year and an incredible finish in his rookie year. He showed some incredible signs in me uh, to be a very valuable rotation player on a championship team, and I'm beyond excited that he's back. Let's get a little bit into, though, I, I do want to get into Derek Jones Jr. because this was part of the debate, debate I've had with some, some friends about what happens when Vooch comes back? What do you think the best course of action would be Considering that you know Caruso hasn't really shot the ball well since entering the starting lineup, do you feel as I do that maybe the best way to go is to put D- DJJ as a starting four and then bring Caruso off the bench, or do you prefer to keep Caruso in the starting lineup? I mean, I go back to Javante Green as a starter. I think that's insane. Why would I know. You do I just that? wanted to say. I just wanted <laughs> to say that to see, watch your head explode. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to keep it uh, keep it calm. Um, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I would. Uh, I don't think I would keep starting Caruso. I mean, one, I think he's more valuable off the bench, and two, he's just like not remotely a power forward. I mean, he's not. He's like a point guard. <laughs> so it's it's crazy um, what we're doing. You know, I even though I know you hate the idea of Javante Green as the starter. You know, the things I would consider. Are Javante Green or Derek Jones Jr. as a starter? I think one of those two guys has to start at power forward. I don't think you can keep. I, I don't think you can keep Crusoe in there. I, I think that's just something that you need to need to move him back to that that bench role. Um, Tony Bradley, I don't think is a guy that you would want to start at power forward along with Vucevic. Uh, you could maybe get away with it because uh, Vuce, you know, provides shooting and spacing, and, and Bradley doesn't. But I don't think that gives you the switchability, which is really the fundamental uh, core component to the Bulls' scheme. You know, they obviously went away from Green as a starter by bringing Crusoe in, so I don't think they're going to go back that direction. Uh, at the same time, they didn't bring Derek Jones Jr. in, who you would think would be kind of uh, the guy you would have expected them to replace uh, Green with if they were going to do so. So uh, it'll be curious to see what they would do. But I, I think either way, you know, Bradley obviously is going to go to the bench. Uh, I would not keep Crusoe in there long term with that kind of four guard in a center lineup, but you know it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they if they did that. You know it, it's kind of worth noting that even though Caruso has um, you know kind of done well defensively since then, you know he's shooting three of twenty two over like the last five six games from three, and his his two point percentage is awful. Um, you know so I, I I just wonder if like part of this is like he, he's going balls to the walls. And you know most of this has coincided with his uh, starting starting role changing. If he's just not really meant to be a guy who plays 35 minutes a game, you know his, his shooting percentages have just dropped to like to like nothing since he's become a starter. And uh, you know I just I just think maybe that's not optimal for him to to be playing so many minutes uh, in that role. Let me just say what he did yesterday against Randall. I mean, I've seen Caruso up close. He's listed at 186. Um, he's definitely much taller than I expected uh, when I met him. But he is very, let's just describe him as wiry. He's not at all wide at all. For him to guard a guy like Randall who's listed at 249 is just awe-inspiring to me. It's just freaking incredible. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Him and Ball. You know, Ball's obviously a little bit bigger, it looks like to me, than Caruso. But oh, yeah, for even, sure. Even so... He's still what? What was Ball max out at? Two hundred, two hundred five, maybe, if that. It's it's amazing that those two guys were able to even guard um, Randall. And and after the game, Billy Donovan said, "Thanks, shout out to Drew Stevens for highlighting this." Last time, this is a quote from Donovan. Last time we played them, Julius did a really really good job of passing on double teams. We wanted to wait to trap him instead of going early. 
Donovan said, referring to Randall's nine assists in those in the in the in the first meeting. I thought we did a better job of providing help. So I did notice that that they were waiting quite a bit on a double, and a lot of times the double didn't even come. That's how good Caruso and and and, and Ball did, you know, and kind of quote unquote holding a guy who is one of the better players in the league. So. Yeah, held, held him down to 34 points on 13 of 19. Oh, yeah, I mean, he had a good night. Regardless, Doug, <laughs> I, I know as someone who – I remember when I was in high school one year um, when I was playing as a sophomore. Uh, you I had Julius pl- Randle? I had to play the – no, but I had to play the power forward position. It, it, one thing that's funny and just enough why I had everyone out there, um, I'm not just kind of common knowledge, they usually add 20 pounds uh, to whatever you see in the program. So it says 186 or 249 is – Probably a little bit lower than that. Regardless, I was playing guys that were like 30, had 30, 20, 20 pounds, 30 pounds on me. I was playing like about 175 at that time. I could not, I, I was so sore and so, de- it's it's hard to describe how difficult it is to guy, guard someone who's got 20 to 30 pounds of muscle on you. And the jobs they did in, in trying to attempt to hold those guys, I thought was just amazing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I've, Never played basketball anywhere remotely near a professional level or even a collegiate level or probably even a high school level. But in my rec league playing, <laughs> I have I have been before matched up against the guy who had, I would say, maybe 25 pounds of me and, like, say, like, three inches. And I found it to basically just be an impossible task. Like, just, like, ver- like, like just impossible. Like, the amount of – if you've never defended someone who's, like, taller than you – like the amount taller someone who's like three inches taller than you is, once you add in the arm length and the reach, is just this like massive, massive amount. Yeah. And if they also have a huge like weight advantage on you, like it's just incredible like how, how difficult that is. So I yeah I can't believe. It. And even though I, I I noted Randall had 34 points on 13 to 19 from the field, you know watching the game it was like he was really kind of lousy for a large portion of the game. Like he did okay at the end. He, he a lot of those points were at the end, and and at and the basket. To, to yeah. his credit, like that's the most important time for them to go to him, you know. But he he scored a lot at the end. But like there was a large stretch of that game where he because he also had five turnovers. And I think he had all five like kind of in the the th- first three quarters of the game where like they really were able to frustrate him for a long time. And he eventually broke through and broke out of it and had a tremendous game for the Knicks. But it, it was like too little, too late. Let's go back over the last five games since Vucevic has been out. The Bulls are seventh in special thanks. Shout out to Edward Schuler. Uh, seventh in net rating overall, plus 7.5. They're eighth in defensive rating at 104 and ninth in offensive rating at uh, 111.8. Billy Donovan kind of touched on this in a post game conference that, you know, obviously they're not better without Vucevic, but it would be beneficial for the team to learn how to play without him. How do you view, like, when he comes back, how do you think this is going to help the team this period without him, if at all? Well, I mean, clearly you've seen Derek Jones Jr. Uh, get get a chance, which he was kind of like nailed to the bench earlier in the season, mm-hmm. and and he's really played well. So you, you've gotten to unlock him and see what he can do on the floor and find ways to use him and, and get him involved. I think the other thing we've seen is the Bulls have gone with a lot of what we'll call micro ball, like basically four guards and a and a, and a small forward or something uh, on the you know like on the floor, but like basically all guys who would naturally be in positions one to three and that's our five so we've got to experiment with that type of lineup so you have to figure when Vooch comes back you're going to have a lot more options you can do different things but you've now become more practiced at some specialized types of lineups and you know like we, we all know probably of everyone on the planet there's no one who's been more skeptical of Vucevic than me 
But like I said, to start off the show, it's like I still believe he's way better than he's played this year. And and boy, does that give you a lot of confidence as to what the Bulls can do, you know, when he's playing at his his best or whatever his best will be this year, which is still going to be way better than what we've seen. Uh, so I think all we have to do with, with Vooch is really just hope that he doesn't have any of those long-term COVID symptoms that sometimes, you know, cause problems for some people. Some people take a long time to, to struggle through getting, you know, back fully. So hopefully he's not one of those guys. Uh, but man, sky's the limit for this team. Like I, I, I mean, I'm in full C red mode. Sky's the limit. This is <laughs> I posted hear. on Real GM. Welcome. I, I posted on Real GM. I said if you had to right now rate this season, it's like how much you're enjoying this season all time on both seasons. Like where does it rank? So I'm gonna ask you that question, Fred. Just project question. this season out. Assume that it goes similar. Uh, of all time bull seasons you've watched, where does this rank? Well, I, all the Jordan seasons are still ahead of it because just watching Michael was the greatest joy of my life. Uh, well, I mean, not total, but in regards to basketball, it was. Uh, we'll, we're going to restrict this to it, non-Jordan it's, seasons. It's non-Jordan seasons, it's right there with 2010 and 11, Derrick Rose's MVP year. It's right there. I would say it's um, it's second to it right now just because, you know, Derrick was so amazing that year. I mean, he had MVP level, and we've had guys approaching it, but – I'd still, I'd, I still think you have to say, you know, Derek's 2010-11 effort was was still better than anything we've seen this year. But well, I'm not saying better. Just to be clear, I'm saying favorite. This is just how much you enjoy it. It's so it doesn't doesn't mean this is the best team. Like yeah. like better is is very factual, well, right? Like yeah. we can we can line that up objectively. But enjoyable, and so I I can just I got a third, so, and and so for me this even counts the Jordan years. And oh, so for God. me personally, this is a, it's just my personal take on it. I wasn't so into basketball during the Jordan years. I watched the big games and I watched the playoffs. So I enjoyed the Jordan years. I mean, who wouldn't, right? But I didn't like breathe basketball at that time. So like the level of enjoyment I got out of it wasn't as high as it would be if I did. And so for anyone who breathed basketball like yourself during the Jordan years, clearly the best ever. Like it's never going to get better than that. That's as spoiled as you'll ever be. Yes. But I wasn't, I wasn't that person at that time. So uh, I started really, really breathing basketball around 2002. And so for me, my number one, the 2004 or five season with Ben Gordon and Luol Deng being rookies. <laughs> I love the number one. That number one, which I think is hilarious. But that was my a great season. season. They won 47 my favorite games. Season. It, wasn't, it wasn't the best season, but it was yeah. like the first time they were good when I was a diehard basketball fan. And since the, first the 98 good, season, right? That was the first, yes, it was. The first time they were actually good first, for like six years. Yeah. And so it was just so exciting. And, they, and and the thing that was like they had all these rookies, like everyone on the team was young. So you felt like this tremendous hope, like, oh, man, they're going to build a dynasty. None that obviously didn't happen. But like you you had all these guys, you're like, man, they're just going to get better and better and better. This is like the – this, and they had cap room. I mean it was like amazing – the situation it was like winning 47 games with basically all rookies like it was just incredible and and then my next season number two is the one you just mentioned the 2010-11 season you know Derek Rose makes the jump to MVP and again it's like you know you kind of saw it coming that Rose could be a star but now you're thinking like he's not a star he's a superstar and we might have 10 years of this team like being a title contender we might win a title you know best record in the league and and so you're so excited about that season. And and then and this team, this year, you have kind of elements of both those things. You've got the it's the first time they've been good in a long time type of thing, like the 0405 season. And then you got like we could legitimately contend, not as much as the ten eleven like Bulls with Derrick Rose could, but you have that like 
feeling of like, yeah, we're actually a contender. We could win this thing. And so those two elements combined uh, are are just uh, a really awesome mix. We don't quite have the longevity feeling, though both of those longevity feelings turned out to be false. But like both of those seasons, I thought like, man, this could just be sustainable for a long time. We know this probably isn't sustainable for a long time based on, on the guys here, some of them being a bit older. But you know, you, you probably feel like, you got like a three-year window, and now after those, seeing those two things, which I felt thought were sustainable, fall apart. I've now realized there's no such thing as sustainable in the NBA. So a three-year window is as good a window as we need, and I am uh, cannot be more excited. I, again, what already one of my most favorite seasons ever. You see, I think it's all going to come down to Doug. You're going to look back if we get swept in the first round, you won't feel that way. It, it, yeah. it all depends on playoffs. How you do in the playoffs? So. You know, that's why I loved all those Jordan years better is because, you know, starting with the 63 points when I was a very young child, I mean, just to be able to walk into every game knowing that the best player on the court was on your side was like How many the best feeling. We went in 2004-05. We got swept, right? That no, year? we we, uh, we got uh, gentlemen swept. We won the first two games and we lost the next four. Against Miami? Did not, did not advance past the first round. So I guess all I'm saying is, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you have a great playoffs. Like, like I said, for the season – the whole season, like the enjoyment you get, like game in and game out, how excited you are to watch a game, like that doesn't go away because you have a bad playoff. That's run. true. That's true. Good point. Anyway, anyhow. Anyway, anyway, yeah. there's different ways you can measure it. Many different ways. I'm. I Great asked topic. a very specific question. All your all your thoughts are correct. Yeah. I think all your thoughts are correct in like a different context depending on how you're measuring. And it's kind of like voting for MVP. Like how do you how do you place it together? Which factors? You know, clearly, I don't think we're looking at like. We just want an enjoyable season. We want a ring. We want, you know, deep playoff performances. We want all that stuff. Those things are also all extremely important. But I'm going to just enjoy this ride for as long as it lasts. You know, it's yeah, it's going to be an amazing amazing year. It's a great topic to have, though, and it's it's fun to finally be talking about a contender. So, you know, one thing I I must say though, as we wrap this up, as we bring the bus in, it is a very interesting Eastern Conference when you look at the 10th seed are the Sixers all of a sudden at nine and eight. I mean, the 10th seed is over 500. The Hawks are 11. They're out into the playoffs with the season ended today at 8-9. What a deep conference, you know, all yeah. of a sudden. So to stand atop the deepest conference, and I think the, the superior conference, is uh, you know quite an accomplishment so far in this young season. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels that this is the better conference. I mean, like, if you looked at the teams that are out there, you know, Golden State looks like right now at this exact moment, they're the class of the NBA. Mm-hmm. But yeah. after that, which, I mean, like, I don't know, like the East, like, it just seems like they're just better. Yeah. They well, when like the Bucks better. are eight, uh, yeah, because the Bucks are freaking good. And, you know, they've got a lot of injuries, and I still think the Bucks are good, and I still think the Sixers are good when Embiid is healthy. You know, just there's so many good teams. And the team we're playing tonight, the Pacers at 7-11, and 11, have lost a ton of close games. This is not going to be an easy game. They're extremely well coached. They have good talent, you know. So you know, every night's going to be tough. It, it, we don't get to play the the Magic and the Pistons like uh, the Knicks do. It seems like every night. So you know, hopefully we did play the Pistons twice. Just so you know. Oh, that's right. Good point. We didn't get to play them three times. Like the Knicks got to play the Magic, and then they lost two of them. So I just hope the Knicks are like. I really hope they just. They're about ready to embark on a seven six game uh, seven game streak, starting with the Bulls, which they lost. I think they can lose seven in a row. Please. I've not picked up on the fact that you dislike the Knicks yet. (laughs) Okay. Anyhow, let's bring this beautiful bus in. It's always great to talk to you, DT. 
Let's hope the Bulls win tonight against Indiana. Until next time, let's go Bulls. Go Bulls. Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L-I-V by Advantia.